1: This is The Sue Freeze Show, the pursuit of passion, purpose, and connection. Now, here's Sue Freeze.
2: Thank you so much for joining The Sue Freeze Show, and I am so honored. I'm so blessed that I get to just sit here in the radio station, in the studio, and talk to you. And while I'm doing this, I just want to say that uh, I prepared a talk today that's different than normal because I've been asked to do a keynote speaking event on this Friday. And uh, this Friday, it's uh, Seven Pillars of Wisdom. It's a webinar conference, and uh, I'm excited about it. And if you want to join in, I would love for you to do that. So uh, yeah, that would be good. It's on Facebook. It's on the Sue Freeze Show Facebook site. Uh, we are on Facebook Live right now, so I wanted to let you know that because there might be people that uh, are listening and they're not on Facebook Live to watch. And Facebook Live is on Tuesday at one thirty, And so the Tuesday at one thirty comes before the afternoon or the weekend shows that are syndicated, and they go quite a few places. And it's very exciting that it, it's growing, the population, the uh, listener base is growing. And I will just say this, that I would love to hear from you. I really would. And how would you do that? You would go to Sue Fries, spelt like fries, one dot com. Go there and tell me what's going on. If you have prayer requests, just anything that's happening uh, that you might need. Uh, I might not have the answers, but I have resources and I would love to help you out if I can. And just to stand in agreement with you. Uh, sometimes that's, that's what we need. We need we, we're not in this alone. The devil wants us to believe that we are, we are going through this and we're the only ones going through whatever it is we're going through. And the truth is, is that it's not true. No matter what you're going through, there's been somebody else, maybe not exactly like what you're going through, but pretty close. And there's other people that have gone through it and they got through it. And sometimes hearing those stories is, is very helpful and hopeful to help you get through it yourself. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for this time. And I will say that uh, I was going along, going along, and going along, and I wasn't praying as much as I needed to. And I have a friend who gave me this bracelet. And this bracelet, it's rubber, okay, and sometimes uh this friend will say, snap your wrist, you know, snap your wrist. But it's to remind me to pray first. Pray first. It says pray without ceasing, it doesn't it? That means all the time. It doesn't mean holy or holy, holy. It means, Lord, you're my friend. You're my father. And here's what's going on. And Lord, I just want you to guide my steps. I want you to give me your heart. I want to feel like you feel. I want to see what you see. I want to speak like you would speak. I want to do what you would do. And as we pray like that, little by little, things change within our, our realm. You know, they just do. They change. And it's really a good thing. So um, I'm, I'm victorious in Jesus' name. And even in your battles, even whatever you're going through, I had to just lay it down. I had to lay it down at the cross, and I had to say, Lord, it's yours. You know, and I'm just going to do your will. I'm going to be obedient. Out of obedience comes blessing. I'm going to be obedient. I'm just going to do what you want me to do. And I'm going I'm to do what the Bible tells me so that I can move forward and I cannot be held under this, this gray or black cloud that just hangs over. Uh, because, you know, not everybody is just. Not everybody is fair. Not everybody is kind and good. Isn't that amazing? But it's true. And, you know, we're supposed to pray for our enemies, which I do. And, you know, sometimes it's not easy, but I do it anyway because I'm called and told to do that. So in thinking and praying about the message that the Lord wants me to deliver, he's telling me that he wants me to uh, tell you my personal story and the lessons that I've learned, which is something that I do all the time anyway. I kind of interject, you know, my personal stories. But a lot of people just don't know where I came from. Just like, I don't know where you came from. And we can't judge others because we haven't walked in their shoes. I haven't walked in your shoes. And neither have you walked in mine. And that's beautiful. But also it's an understanding that sometimes things, we get these reactions and things and we might not understand why. And I know for myself, something will happen sometimes and I'll, I'll react and I'll go, what was that all about? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Has that ever happened to you? Because it does happen to me. And I'm finding out as I go and as I pray and as I lay it at the cross that it's happening less, which is a good thing. That's wisdom. Uh, but, but it still happens. And those that, I, that I'm around, it happens with them too. And I'm, I seek to understand more than to be understood because I think it's important that we do that. So uh, lessons that I've learned do not lie. And so the little story that I'm going to tell you about this and, and, you know, doing this show for 10 years, I believe that I've told this story at least once before, is my mom always taught me, you know, don't lie, tell the truth. That's easy, right? Not sometimes. Uh, You know, so I would come home from school and I was very young and I loved, my mom loved flowers and I loved my mom. And so I would walk home from school and there were times when I would just pick a flower, just one flower, and I'd go and give it to my mother and be so happy. But she said, Susie, I love that you are giving me flowers. I love that you do that. But do you realize that every, every flower has a time period of being there? And by you picking it and bringing it home, even though I love it it's causing, there's other people that don't get to enjoy the beauty of that flower because you're taking it and bringing it home and only you and I get to see it. Where we could share that with other people if we leave it on there. Okay, so you get the picture. And this went on for a while and she just kept saying, Susie, thank you so much, but you know, leave the flowers on the plant and let them live. So one day I, I did this and, uh, yep, yeah, I did it again. And I picked a flower and there was a bee on the stem of the flower. And guess what the bee did? How dare it, but it stung me. It stung me, and it, oh my gosh, it hurt so bad, I ran home. And you know those little stingers, they stick in your hand. I just had a bee sting recently. It was on my ski rope. I was in the boat, and it was on my ski rope, and I grabbed it. And all of a sudden, I get this sting, and I'm like, you are kidding me. It hurts really bad. And I know I'm supposed to get the stinger out, and I kept trying to get the stinger out, and it just didn't want to come out. But boy, did that sting! And I'm, I'm, I'm grown up now, right? So I can just imagine how much that hurt when I was a little baby. But it, it, it kind of reminded me of that time. And it was another lesson of, of uh, just the lesson that my mom taught me during this time. So anyway, um, I went home and, and I'm crying. And my mom, you know, she's loving me and hugging me and consoling me and trying to figure out what's wrong so she can fix it. Kiss it, make it better. You know, that's what moms do, right? Uh, so she tried to do that. And then when I told her my story... She looked at me with, you know, those eyes like, uh, okay, because I said, Mom, it was, you know, she goes, Susie, I told you, you're not supposed to pick the flower. Oh, no, Mom, I didn't pick the flower. It was on the ground. She knew I was lying. But I didn't want to get in trouble, and I know she wouldn't have really done anything because she felt bad that I was already hurt. My, I already got my lesson, right? I already got consequences for my actions by getting stung by a bee. So that's my little bee story, okay? Do not lie. Another, another thing that I learned is the choices we make. My mother used to always say, Sue, you're going to be making – Susie, she never called me Sue – Susie, you're going to make decisions every minute of your life. You're going to suffer the consequences or reap the rewards of your choices, That's so big. Think about that with everything going on right now, that our choices, we suffer the consequence or reap the reward. And isn't that so true in life? And I think everyone needs to take responsibility for their choices and their actions. It's not somebody else's fault on certain occasions and nobody else should be pulling you out of whatever the problem is because you made the decision to get into that pickle, whatever that is. And I'm not going to go any deeper than that. So uh, that was another lesson that my mom taught me. My mom's in heaven right now, and I know she's (laughs) looking down at me right now and smiling. And she's probably shaking her head a little bit or having her hand on her chin or something, you know, just looking down at me. I can just picture it right now. Hi, Mom. I love you. Anyway, so um, another thing that I learned was the pain has to be worth the gain. Now we hear this from people in the athletic world. The pain has to be worth the gain. But it goes much deeper than that. For instance – um, I wanted to go to camp really bad. And my family life was not – it was very dysfunctional. I had a passive-aggressive dad um, that I never could just I, – I was never enough. I couldn't please him enough. I, 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 he wanted a boy. I was a girl. I couldn't help it. Uh, and, you know, it just – no matter what I did, it seemed like it was wrong. Okay? And so I wanted to go to camp, and it was um, W um, – oh, Boy Scouts, not really. Anyway, it was a camp, and – I wanted to go and my mom said, we can't afford to ta- to send you. And I found out that there was another way to go. You have to earn your way to go. And I said, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? Tell me what I have to do and I'll do it. And I had to sell a whole bunch. I mean, a whole bunch of toffee covered peanuts that are in the cans. And I had to knock on all the doors and say, I want to go to camp. Can you buy some k- peanuts from me? And I almost, I think I, I sold the most. And it was because I'm so anxious. I wanted to go so bad to this camp. So I went. And I feel like I valued it more because I worked to go. There were other kids that didn't really care too much about the camp. But I was so excited to go, and I'm so glad that I got to go. Uh, When I went there, I received the Lord. It was on a mountaintop with the smell and the sound from the breeze that came from the pine trees. So whenever I smell pine now, I always think about that moment on that mountain where I received the Lord. And it was very, very precious to me and very, very, it was special. And I came home and I was so, so excited to tell my mom that I received the Lord and that, you know, everything was going to get better now because, our, you know, my family life was not that great. And uh, she said, Susie, I've got something to tell you. Come into my room. I said, I got something to tell you too. You go first, Mom. And she says, Your dad and I have decided to get divorced. And I think I was in the fourth grade. So what age is that? Ten, eleven years old. And I said, No, 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 Mom. You don't understand. I just received the Lord, and the Lord's going to fix everything. They're going to. F- he's going to come in, and he's just going to fix this family. He's going to fix your marriage. He's going to fix it to where Dad's really going to love me. And she says, No, honey. We've already decided. We're already doing this. So I kind of. Uh, shrinked up into the little, little child that I was, feeling like I had no voice because I didn't. I didn't have a voice. And here was this newfound love I had, and I felt like I was already failing in this new situation. So um, in in all of this, I found out that I also was really good at finding a need and filling it. Because there was so much going on in my world, I had to find other extracurricular activities that would keep my mind off of what was going on in my in my home life. So um, I actually found out that most of my neighbors had poodles. Okay, I wasn't ever really fond of poodles, although they're very smart, and they're very clean, they don't shed. Um, But I wasn't really a fan. Um, But there were a lot of poodles. And so I went to the library and I got a book on grooming, on how to cut them and whatever, and I found out that there was a lot of different ways to groom poodles. So I learned how to do it and I made illustrations of the different cutting styles. I put a price tag on each one and I went to everybody that I knew that had poodles and I went into business. And my mom, she loaned me the money to get the shears that I needed, and the scissors I needed, and the the special uh, poodle brush. And I I took up uh, business in the garage, and I had quite the custom. Uh, the clientele of poodles and neighbors and um, I I actually did very well and then way back when I'm going to tell you this is the truth is that I said you know when I get older I'm going to get a van and I'm going to do poodle grooming in a van. I know I came up with that idea but there are poodle groomers in vans now but I was too young to drive so um, that happened. Have you ever thought of an idea and you just didn't go forward? You didn't do it and then somebody else does it and you're going doggone and I knew that was a good idea. Well that's one of those times. Anyway, so uh, fast forward, um, I wrote this down and I was in a hurry, so I, I don't have this in the right order. But fast forward is um, I, I went to uh, high school and in high school um, I found out that I was, I was a, like a B plus average school person, student, but I was really uh, a pretty good athlete. And so what I did was I got very involved in uh, gymnastics, and I was a cheerleader. So um, I did that. And then uh, my senior year, I made a decision to go to FITM, And FITM is the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. And I did that because it seemed very glamorous to me. But I got there, and the creative side of the uh, costuming and everything, um, the the people that were involved with that – were very colorful and very out there and I found out that I was much better on the business side more than the creative side and so I changed from the creative side to the business side and you know the story what what I'm telling you right now is how our skill sets are transferable number one and also that every single thing that I've learned up till now has got me to where I am today and uh, you know you might not know where that is but I will tell you So you're listening to The Sue Freeze Show. Sue Freeze, spelt like fries, F-R-I-E-S, dot com. Sue Freeze, spelt like fries, one word, dot com. And uh, I would love to hear from you, so please connect with me there if you would do that. So I moved from Orange County up to L.A., and I stayed in an all-girls dorm. I was 17 years old when I graduated. I put myself through a two-year college, and I learned about business, supply and demand, economics 101. I also worked full-time. So I was very busy back then. Then I went into sales, and then I got married. Then I got pregnant, and I had two beautiful children. My son Tyson works with me in my business, and my daughter has given me two granddaughters. Okay, so then I met um, a man who was a fireman. And uh, I've got to figure out where I am. And uh, he he asked me to go into business with him, with his dad, in the pest control business. All right. And I wanted to go into business with my husband. I That was my dream, one of my dreams. And so I said, yes. So I worked in the pest control industry for 20 years. I started, uh, and I was pregnant then, and I started as the person who answered the phone, asking the right questions, answering concerns of the customer, and sharing with them the best solutions for their needs. That's what I did. I learned a lot during that time. I learned about the people that were with me. I had two girls in the office. I had four guys in the field. When I left there, I had four. Four, six people in the office and 22 routes. And so uh, it was, you know, it, I, it expanded pretty well. And uh, I learned a lot during that time about how to handle people, um, how to talk to them, um, that everybody's different, right? We're all different. And we all have special or different things that matter, things that will uh, ignite us and spark us and, and, and get us going. And so it's important for us to understand what those things are, right? Right. So the person I worked with um, had the final say. They were the big boss. I was operations. I started out as a person who answered phones, customer service rep, and I ended up uh, graduating or promoting into operations manager. I did conversions of computer software programs. I would type all night because we didn't have conversion material where we could do it like computer to computer back then i'm aging myself now um so i would like not sleep and i would type in all these customers and all their information all night long i would do it because we had to be up and running the next day so sometimes you just do without sleep because you've got a timing issue where you got to get it all done and so you just do what you have to do not what you want to do you do what you have to do to get it done right there's another lesson um during this time we I, i set up the systems The procedures, setting up expectations, coaching and training the staff, and then holding all accountable to the standards that were set in place. I would discuss issues and possible forms of action to ensure all would respect the culture of considering others and being dependable and respectful of one another. I would get a go-ahead from the person higher up, and then when the person being talked to would go to the other person the higher up and cause a stink. The manager did not stand up for what was right or... For me, I remember how I felt when I did not have a voice or support after following the respectful process. Having a united front is important if you want to get order. See, there's another lesson, right? Um, I I went through proper procedure. I I talked to the right people, and I thought about my thoughts before I went forward, and um, I got a go-ahead. I got agreement. And then I went and I pushed through, and when there was a little bit of a disagreement with a person because they didn't like what we were doing, then it came back on me. So what I learned during that time is that doesn't feel very good. It doesn't feel very good when you are the supervisor or the manager and your higher-ups are not supporting you when you have to pursue or you have to push through. Um, Because you're always going to have – it's kind of like children in a way where if you don't get what you want from mommy, you go to daddy or vice versa – And in the workplace, it can be like that, too. So if you don't have order, if you don't have the chain of command, and you don't have the expectations clear and the consequences uh, available and understood, then you're not going to have order. We must stand for what we believe is right. Do we not? As Christians are just human beings, we need to stand up for what we believe is right. Now, we cannot do this alone. Well, we can do it alone. But isn't it better to do it with people, to have other people in alignment with you, to where you move forward in unity and you can get things done so much better because it takes all of us together to get it done. I realized we need people, okay? And we don't need just any people. We need the right people. We need the right people working around us, surrounding us, and going forward with the right vision and the right mission so we can accomplish the goals, whatever they might be. But the leader has to be teachable and humble, for sure. And the leader has to be able to express and explain with excitement and passion to get people on board um, what that vision is, so that everybody understands that, you know, when we're empowered to make a decision, if we understand what the vision is, then it's easier to make that decision, is it not? Be fruitful and multiply, it says in the Bible, doesn't it? Be fruitful and multiply. Now, I used to think that just meant go home, and make babies. That's what I used to think. Be fruitful and multiply. And it does mean that. But is that all it means? You know, I used to feel uh, a little bit uncomfortable because I, I was making money. And people say, well, I don't need a lot of money. I don't need nice things because, you know, we're not supposed to to do that. And I'm like, why? Because my feeling is is that if I make more money, that means I have more money to feed more people. I have money that I can do more with, like having a ministry house, domestic violence mothers with children. Okay, If we have more money, it's what we do with it. And I think, you know, if you're blessed and you work hard, it's okay. It's okay. It's just what you do with your money. Safety in numbers. As moms, don't we say that to our children? Buddy system. Safety in numbers. We don't want to go out in the dark by ourselves. Even if you carry a gun, isn't it better to have another person with you? Of course, it's much better to have another person with you. And here's a really good one. And I could stay on this all day long. And I'm going to, uh, you know, close the first part of this show by saying this. Okay. And this is one of my favorites. And it's a lesson I've taught my children. And it's a fun lesson. It's It's got a lot of fun, fun stories. You don't know if you don't ask And we need to hold each other accountable. We don't know if we don't ask. How many times do we have a thought or a dream or a vision? And we're one person away from maybe having that door open. I'm talking to each and every one of you. Don't let that passion, that flame get snuffed out. You don't know if you don't ask and what's the worst that can happen. That person can say no, and all that means is another door can open somewhere else. Be a blessing to someone each and every day. Please do that, and we will be right back right after this brief break. Have you noticed more insects or rodents in your yard or maybe in your home? Warmer weather means it's mating season.
1: Revealing the secret causes, surprising cures, and the untold truth about harmful indoor allergens. Written with the passion of a loving mother, wisdom of a successful businesswoman, and deep spiritual devotion, learning to breathe is a hero's journey for the parent in all of us. If your child suffers from asthma, this must-read book could save your child's life learning to breathe by author sue freeze available on Amazon or log on to suefreezecom that's sue F-R-I-E-S.com, suefreeze.com you're listening to the sue freeze show the pursuit of passion purpose and connection and here again is sue freeze
2: thank you so much ecola termite and pest control for sponsoring this show I am so grateful to ecola we are hiring Listen, if you want a career, not a job, okay? I don't want to talk to you if you just want a job. I want to talk to you if you want a new career. We have people working for us that have been working for us for 30 years, 25, 20, 18, all the way down to I have a person that just started on Monday. Okay, and um, I think right now we're at about 75 employees, and I need to get it to about 85, so I need 10 people right now. Now, I don't want just anybody. I don't want a warm body. I want somebody that really wants to be part of our team, that wants to be part of what we are doing, because it's pretty amazing. Anyway, so if you'd like to be part of the E.C.O.L.A. team, I'd love to talk to you. Now, when I bought E.C.O.L.A., I bought it in the year 2000. It was way out of my wheelhouse, and I am not kidding you there. OK, um, I was doing mostly pest control at the other job. I was operations manager and I knew how to do routes and I knew how many stops we needed to do to make it profitable. And I knew how many uh, how many services each person could handle in a month. I had all those formulas down in my head. OK, but he, I was um, going into a company, which is kind of a funny story is uh, there were two men that owned it and there was a dinner and I was sitting next to one of the owners. And I said, when are you going to retire? Because he had gray hair and, you know, he just looked older. Um, it's probably my, my age, what I am right now. I don't know. Anyway. Um, and I said, when are you going to retire? And I was kind of just kidding around. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't real serious, but he called me up the next day or the day after and said, I was thinking about what you said. And why are you asking me that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just wondered when you're going to retire. And he says, why would you be interested in buying my company? And I went, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I would. He says, there's no one I would rather run this company than you. I'm like, Wow. That's pretty good. And it is a big responsibility for sure. You know, um, I went from pest control to a company that did termite. And what I liked about this company and the company's story is, is that they were doing alternative treatments. And my son is a chronic asthmatic. So my son, who's now working with me, he's 39 years old right now, um, He he suffers with asthma. You know, and asthma is where you don't realize that you're breathing until you can't. And uh, I went on this this mission and this journey of trying to figure out how to minimize his triggers to where he could breathe. Because there's nothing worse for a parent to watch their children suffer. And you can die, especially children, can die from asthma. And so it's a very serious thing. All right? So I was really looking for a way to take care of the problem without the all the detergents and all the chemicals underneath the sink. And then, you know, all the processes that we do. Um, I was trying to find a better way. He was allergic to dust. Go figure. Anyway, that's another story. Um, Anyway, so I did not know how many zeros there were in a million. And I'm not kidding. I did not know how many zeros there were in a million because it was so out of my thought process. 100,000? Yeah, but how many zeros are there in a million? I did not know. And I'm not embarrassed to tell you that. Okay, I had an AA degree, okay, I'm not a college student, I'm not a professor, I'm not a graduate, you know, with a doctorate degree. And here I am running this business. Okay, so what I'm telling you, why I'm telling you that is not to brag, it's to tell you that if I can do this, so could you. And I don't want anybody to hold themselves back because of fear of failure. Okay, there's a lot of things that I've done wrong, you know, and we all fall short of the glory of God. But you know what? If I didn't just get back up and get back going again, then I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. And that would be really a tragedy in my book and I think in the Lord's because God's put me here. I believe this is from God for me to sit here and talk to you. Anyway, so. I did not know how many zeros there were in a million. Yeah, I know, you can be embarrassed for me. I'm really not embarrassed, okay? And I already told you that um I was a B student, B plus actually. I was a B plus student CIF champion gymnast and I was a cheerleader because my sister was a cheerleader, I had to be a cheerleader because she was. But I really loved gymnastics. Gymnastics is where I found my solace. I found my Oh, I just I just that's where I kind of hid and grew. And I grew personally because um, my childhood was dealing with passive-aggressive father, who my mom divorced, loving mom who married an alcoholic, secondly, my stepdad, which uh, she divorced him after many issues, which I won't go in today. That would be another story for another day. Um, and then she married a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. Now, he was more of a dad to me than any other dad was, and uh, it, was, it was really nice for a time, and then that kind of went soured too. Um, anyway, so my escape was my athletic achievements. That's where I found worth. Is that I was I was an athlete. I am physical. I'm athletic, and um, you know, I, it wasn't my brain so much. It was my athletic ability that um, made me feel better about who I was. So I realized um, that I loved having my personal improvement scores. Because in gymnastics, you have a personal score, you know, uh, 8.9, 9.8, you know, 10.0. Okay, you had your personal score, but you also had a team score. So if you did really well, or really not well, um, it affected the team score. And so I liked that. And um, I was the head usher in my church after after high school. Okay, I got married. And then uh, I got married, and then... um, I really wasn't a churchgoer when I was young, and I missed that in the story. Uh, I didn't go to church. Uh, my mom had a Bible on the, the the table that we never opened, and she gave me a bracelet that had the Ten Commandments on it. And we got I got a new dress at Easter, and I got a new dress at Christmas to go to church. But that was about my church. But my mother was a um, treat people the way you would want them to treat you or the way you'd want to treat... You know, that whole thing. Uh, She was that. And she was, you know, she was a woman of integrity. And she was so encouraging to me and loved me. And I loved her uh, a lot. Um, So I got married and I got involved in a church because getting married, not having a good role model to be a good wife and uh, a good mother, even though my mom was a good mother, Um, I just felt like I needed direction. I needed to learn how to be a better person and a better Christian. So getting involved, I really just jumped all in. And I was the head usher in my church handling 10 teams of 10. And I needed to get them to understand the heart of ministry, the goals, and their position. I realized early on I could not fire them. You know, in business, you can fire people, right? But when they're volunteers... You can't really fire them, okay? So that was a really interesting thing for me is that I had to get them to want to do what I wanted them to do, and that's not always easy to do. I needed to understand what was important to them and create a win-win. I, I had to learn that, and I had to create a win-win, and I'm, I do that all the time now. It's like I want both of us to win. I don't want to just win. I want us both to win, so how do we get there? How do we get to that point? I was on the worship team. I was on the drama team. And I help people find their spiritual gifts while directing them on where to serve the Lord and those in need. And I love doing that because I believe God created us for a purpose and he gives us gifts. And a lot of times people don't know what their gifts are. And so we would go through this program to where it would help everyone figure out where their gifts are. And then we would put them in service to align with where their gifts were. Now, transferable is I hire people. And when I hire people, I'm asking the questions to figure out what are their qualities? What are they good at? What do they like doing? And in doing that, it puts them in a position that's going to fit them and help me. I have to know what my needs are in my business, you know, like where my gaps are. And then I have to find a person that's going to fill that gap. Um, So in in doing this, the spiritual gifts thing at church, it helped me understand how to do that. And it's kind of fun. I knew that by taking on the adventure of buying E.C.O.L.A. that I needed to back out of my obligations in the church. And I was very, very dialed in. Okay, I was very, very dialed in. And I loved everything that I was doing. But the Lord promptly told me that my employees were my ministry. So what is that saying? Do we have to be in church to minister? No. So God told me that my new my employees were my ministry. So if somebody would have told me when I was in the fashion school that I was going to end up being a termite lady and be in the bug business, I would have laughed at them. I really would have laughed at them. But we have to bloom where we're planted. Okay? Wherever God puts you, do the best you can. That's a scripture I've got to find. Um, <clears throat> and I won't find it. Anyway. So that was that was really amazing that the Lord told me that. And so I had to I cried and I went and told the pastor I needed to step down because taking on this multimillion dollar company uh, that I didn't know how many zeros there were. Uh, you know, I knew that in order for me to be successful, I had to focus. I really had to just devote time into this. And, you know, when you do something like that, there's got to be a sacrifice somewhere. And at that time, my son in 2000 was graduating high school. And my daughter, who uh, was a freshman uh, or you know a sophomore, she's the one that probably missed out on mom a little bit because I, I really had to, to dive in. And so I felt like Tyson was can drive her to school and back. And so she she kind of missed out on a couple years of mom, not completely, because I was still there in the evenings. And I still, you know, I, I, I really watched over my children like the big hen. Uh, my kids were everything and I, I protected them as much and much as much as I could. OK, so so I cried to my pastor that I needed to step down. And uh, then my real mission began. I needed to gain respect and learn how they did what they did and why. Okay. So I was announced to the new owner of this company. I walk in, uh, male dominant, Hispanic, mostly. And I walked in and they're going, who is this chick and what does she know? Okay. And so I put on coveralls and I asked my technicians to take me to their most difficult accounts. They go, What? I crawled, I got dirty, and I enjoyed doing it. 21 years later, I still have texts that are now full-time inspectors or managers that talk about that day. It took going to each job department and sitting side by side and asking what and why. What are you doing? And why are you doing it? And then why are you doing that? And then why are you doing that? And they got tired of me asking why. I felt like one of those children when you say no. Why? I want ice cream. Why? You know, the sky is blue. Why? You know, it's like the kids always say why. I know moms are laughing right now or dads too. But it's true, right? It's like that's their word. Why? Why? Um, But that was me. I was asking why. But it wasn't just because I wanted something. But I did. I wanted to know and understand the why. Because it helps to streamline, to get rid of, replace procedures and systems to better accomplish our goals moving forward. I had to understand what they did, why they did it, how they did it, to ask, is there a better way? With this came a respect and understanding that I was there to help, not to dictate. The goals were clear. The culture was set. My best saying is, Is there a better way to do this? And I still to this day, any employee, if you ask them what they are probably tired of hearing me say, is, is there a better way to do this? Because I think we need to be always bettering ourselves personally and what we're doing. Because we are a summation of the decisions and the choices we make every day. We can plan our life. Listen to this carefully. We can plan our life. But it's what we do moment by moment, day by day. That is really going to direct our path and set the stage for our lives. And if you don't catch anything else, catch that. Okay, because that is the golden nugget for today. Galatians 6.10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Matthew 23.11, the greatest among you will be your servant. Matthew five eight, blessed are the pure at heart, for they will see the God. You're listening to the Sue Freeze show. I really want you to connect with me, and the way you do that is to just go to Sue Freeze, spelt like fries, one com. Go there, connect with me, and tell me what's going on. Tell me how you need prayer. If there's any resource you need, just let me know what it is, and I will do my best to to help you out in that re- regard. Okay. Matthew five eight, blessed are the pure at heart, for they will see God. John four nineteen, we love. Because he first loved us. I don't feel like loving people sometimes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes I just don't feel very loving. But we are called to love those that are unlovable. We are called. I'm called to pray for my enemies. And I do pray for them. You know why? Because they need to know God. They need to know the Lord. And I might be the only mustard seed. I might be the only Jesus that they see. And I have to look at things different because I'm taken advantage of multitudes of times. And I just have to understand that how I handle that can be the only Jesus this other person sees, even though I feel it's unjust and I feel like they're rotten. I still have to, f- I have to deal with them with love. Not easy. Not easy at all. John eight twelve. Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I don't want to walk in darkness, and there has been times where I felt like I was in total darkness. And I want the light. I want to walk in the light. In 2008, those of you that are in business or even if you're not, do you remember what it was like in 2008? Boy I wasn't sure if Ecola was going to survive. I really wasn't. I was losing so much sleep, and I wasn't sure what to do. And I'd pray about it, and I was just like, what am I going to do? So all financial indicators was saying we were going to run out of money. What did I do? I lost many nights sleep trying to figure out how to hang on. But here's what I realized my most important asset was my employees. It was my employees. Of course, the customers pay the bills because they sign the check, but without the employee doing the work, there wouldn't be a customer to pay the check. And I had already invested so much into my employees and their training, their certifications, and you know, building this relationship with them that I realized I didn't want to lose not even one of them. I didn't want to lose one. Did they have equal value as far as what they brought to the table? No. But if I think about our body parts, which is another biblical thing, is that our body parts have a place. Everything works for the common good of, of the unity of the body. So my little baby finger, my index finger, my thumb, they all have different reasons for being. Our eyes, our nose, our mouth, our legs, our toes, you know, I mean, they all have a different reason. Does it mean one's more valuable than the other? Well, I would say, you know, a heart because you can't live without your heart, I would say that probably has a little more value. So yeah, I would say different parts have maybe more value in that regard, because you can't live without certain organs. And you could live without a finger, God forbid, but you could. So yeah, I understand that too. But I didn't want to lose one. I didn't want to lose my baby finger. I didn't want to lose my baby toe. I didn't want to lose anyone. So then what do I do? What is a person to do? I went through all my expenses, and I cut everything I could, including my salary. I didn't get a paycheck for months. I didn't get a paycheck. I wanted my employees paid before me. They come before me. I, I put, put them before me, and um, my employees were taken care of. I communicated with my everyone. I, I communicated with everyone so they understood why there was no coffee. Why that, why you know, we did something different with the trash. Why there was no water. I lessened the amount of uniforms and so on and so forth. And everybody understood that it meant their job or it meant coffee. They had no problem getting rid of coffee. Okay. But if I wouldn't have let them know, they would have been complainers. They would have complaining because they didn't have coffee, right? Oh, what about my coffee? But they understood that I was doing everything I possibly could to keep them employed, and we survived that. Thank you, God. We survived it, got through it. But something else happened during that time. My employees understood that I was with them and that I would put them before me. They understood that I would do that. And so it created a value proposition, if you want to say that. It created a loyalty to where people say, how long have you these employees? How long have they been with you? you know and it's because they get taken care of now it is up to each employee to to actually speak and tell me what it is they need what they want because then i do what i can to oblige i try my best if it makes sense to to do what i need to do to make it happen so everyone knew we were doing whatever we could to hold on Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, for as long as you can. This was John Wesley that said that, and I just, I loved that. When I saw that, I went, oh, that's got to go right there. Hebrews 10.36, but you need to stick it out, staying with God's plan, so you'll be there for the promised completion. Isn't that so appropriate for this talk? Philippians three thirteen fourteen, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goals to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good? So we need to put behind us what is behind us. Listen, people, this is so important. We can so caught up in what was. It's done. Put it, get just let it go. Learn from it, but put it away. And let's press on towards the goals to win the prize. I thank my employees for being awesome and for being a good servant and a good steward. I felt that was another message the Lord gave me. Teach your employees how to be good servants and how to be good stewards. Well, I have to lead by example. I have to be a good steward and I have to be a good servant. I wash floors, clean toilets. I do whatever is necessary to get the job done. I'm out looking at the trucks, making sure the ladders are locked. I do all of that. Why? Because I'm setting the example, saying this is all of us together making it happen. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to walk. We need to be aware of cultures that can cause division and deal with it appropriately. Arrogance, discouragement, self pity, gradual implementation, gossip, disrespect. Romans ten ten, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Pray first and without ceasing. First Peter five seven, give all your worries to him, because he cares about you. Philippians one nine eleven and this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. First Chronicles 16.34 Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. There's a song that says that over and over again, and it's so true. His love endures forever. I love that song. As long as we have breath, we have hope. So many times I say that when I'm ministering to somebody or counseling somebody because they feel like life has just done them wrong or they are just lost hope. And I'm like, you're breathing. You're breathing. There's still hope. As long as you're breathing, there's hope. Everyone is part of the body and each has a role to play. Learn your strengths and those you work with. Spread the wealth. Delegate. Do what only you can do and give to others what they can do. I tell my my key staff this and I think it's so important. So that's the end of the show and I'm so thankful that you listened. I'm so thankful that I got to share this with you and uh, you know, be a blessing to someone each and every day. God bless you. Until next week. Bye-bye.